0: You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. And today is another Q&A episode. That's right. So I left a tile on my Instagram page saying, hey, you have a question, leave it here and we'll talk about it in, in our podcast. And now we're going to get to it, right, Phil? That's right, and we got uh, we got some good questions
1: here. So I think uh, feedback on these Q and A episodes is pretty good. We got the first one we did; we got a lot of people really liked it, and it's another opportunity for people to get in. So thank you all for hearing my note last time and writing your questions on the tile as they come up, not uh, sending them to Michael directly. Or yeah,
0: leave them on the yeah. tile, so we'll have one nice place where we can answer all your questions and not be redundant and make it easier on us. Exactly. So Phil, hit me with the first question. Let's do
1: this. All right. So
0: dead things breathe.
1: It's an interesting name. Uh, Tips or advice for starting your first screenplay?
0: Well, know what your story is. Like, do you know what you're going to write about? What's your story? Did you know, do you understand story structure? Do you have you studied that? Like, That's my first step, right? Uh, You know, yeah. Like, cause everyone thinks they have a story. Everyone thinks they got a screenplay, but no one, so many people because they watch TV, they go, Oh, I watch a lot of TV or I watch a lot of movies. I, I I know how to do this. And like the, the analogy I make is like, well, just because you live near the airport and you see planes take off and land doesn't mean you're qualified to fly a plane. So just because you watch a lot of shows doesn't mean you're qualified to write one. So study screenwriting, study structure, and that's your first step. And then uh, and then outline, it, break it on a board and into acts, which I teach all in my writing course. And then uh, you know outline it. And then, when you've got a rock solid outline and you're, you're clear on what each scene is supposed to be, and this will, that could take weeks or months, then you start writing it.
1: Yeah. Let, let me jump in too and say for a long time, you know, it was like, ah, I just want to get to the writing. I just want to get to the writing. But that is the writing. Like, that yeah. is the hard part. Yeah. And rather than facing a page, and, and these are common problems I experienced. So, if anyone listening to this has experienced this as well. For me, the benefit of Michael's course is just clarifies a lot of the things that I struggle with. Like, I no longer have to worry about what what happens in act two. I know what's going to happen in act two. I know what happens in the first half. I know what's going to happen in the middle. I know what's going to happen in the, in the back half. It does not matter which story it is. And I can make that as fun or interesting as I want. And it can be specific to my characters or not. Yeah. It just eliminates that concern. So you you avoid that painful pit of the middle, the, the slog, the slog mm-hmm. and stress of act two. And, you know, a big mistake I made on my first screenplay is I wrote and I wrote one and two, act one and act two, and I thought they were pretty good. And then I got to act three and I had no idea what to do. There's nothing to do there. So the time and energy and effort put into the breaking the story and writing the outline and and making sure you understand clearly what you're going to get into makes the writing just fun because now you're just following the character down their path
0: do the hard work first right yeah
1: now don't do it in the in the rewrites like save yourself 15 rewrites and just do the hard work at the beginning
0: yeah right cool. all
1: right Ooh. Lindsay bain do you get emotional watching something you have written come to life glad and i the, found you real fast glad yeah. i found you
0: so fascinating
1: and i'm a way to listen to the podcast so oh, she
0: scampered man. off to go listen all right Lindsay. Do I get emotional watching it? Well, in the beginning, I certainly did. You know, it was so thrilling to see my words on the screen, and, and I used to fight for, oh, I gotta get my more lines in, and and now I, you know, now I I, I get less emotional. to my job. Um, so, sometimes I don't even watch stuff that I've, that I've written. It depends on the show. Uh, but most of the time I do, and then um, other
1: times you're the showrunner and you've watched it a thousand times.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And so yes, and sometimes like right, if I'm running the show, I don't even watch it when it airs because I've already worked on it so many times with all. I've been in the editing room cutting and cutting it, and then in uh in, in audio, you know, in the mixing session. So like when it airs, I'm like I don't even watch it. Then I've already watched it a thousand times. So, but I don't really get emotional now. I guess uh you know, yeah. I get more emotional in the writing process of it as you discover the story. Great. Uh, Winchester D
1: 7973 asks, do you think the era of syndication is dead? How do you think the streaming era has hurt the holiday episode in shows? How far in advance do you write? So I mean, there's like 17 questions here, Winchester. Got a lot of questions. Why don't we just want to just take this one at a time? Yeah. Do you think the syndication era is dead and... Do you think that uh, streaming, well, let's
0: just start that one. It certainly seems like syndication. That pot of gold that TV writers always wanted, like by creating a hit show, that pot of gold is not, you know, you can get fabulously wealthy. It's very, it doesn't really exist anymore. It's very, very rare to have a show like Modern Family where it's like this huge syndication deal. It doesn't, doesn't really work that way anymore. So if your goal to be, if you want to get a writer, be a writer because you want to be fabulously wealthy, there's probably other career paths for you. Yeah. So, uh, how does syndication, uh, I mean, how does a
1: streaming work? You know, it's this how do you think that the streaming era? Well, let me back up on the syndication thing. um You posted a TikTok recently where you talked about, you know, hey, here are my residual checks. And you're like, yeah, hey, here's an episode of King of the Hill that I wrote and I made like 25 bucks or whatever. And here's yeah. another one where I made a dollar. It's like, yeah, what's up with that? And you talk about how they're kind of reselling their thing. So, Follow Michael, uh, go check out his um, TikTok and his Instagram, because he talked about that specifically. And yeah. just look for the Green Envelope episodes. They're my, some of my favorite stuff you put out.
0: Yeah, that's at Michael Jammin Writer on Instagram and TikTok. You can find that. Yeah. So when when you sell it to streaming, the the residual value is much, much less. You get the payout is much lower. and That probably will be the next writer strike if, if and when that happens, because I think uh, it's really squeezing writers, especially the middle class writers. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, how do you think the streaming era has hurt the holiday episode in shows? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, it used to be like, is network television even a thing anymore? I don't know. I, you know, is it like, obviously there are shows, but it's not like everyone's watching Friends anymore. It's like, you know, a million people on network television is huge now. and But, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, what? You would have canceled,
1: could, right? Yeah.
0: It'd be canceled the act break. So- um So the holiday episodes, yeah, I don't, right. All that stuff is in streaming. It's not important as, as it, as the industry migrates to streaming, it's, it's less important. It's all more, it's more about binge watching. Hey, let's, let's get the viewer to watch episode and episode not go to sleep tonight.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, I was thinking, Oh, we definitely do holiday episodes on Tacoma FD, but again, that's like a a standard cable channel. True. T V. It's not a, so like Thanksgiving episode airs during Thanksgiving, the Christmas one from season two aired around Christmas time. So.
0: Yeah, it's still a thing, but it'll probably be less and less as we go to streaming, yeah.
1: Yeah, binge binge kind of eliminates the need. All right, how far in advance do you write scripts versus when they
0: air? It really depends. I mean, it dep- like the, the process of coming up with an idea and, and then turning it into a script that's ready to shoot can easily be five weeks. And then when you got to shoot it, that could take a week, and then you have to go into post-production, that's several weeks, and then it airs. So you're t- it's a long process. Uh, you know, S- South Park, I know they turn them around real fast because the animation is so crude that they can turn this thing out really fast. But that's a very unusual show. Yeah, uh, was that the
1: documentary, Mo- Seven Days to Air, I think? Is that, we, that what it is? We, yeah, we super fast.
0: It's like crazy fast. For yeah. most shows, you're talking about much longer lead time. So, which is why shows don't, you're not making it topical because by the time it airs, the news has changed. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: all right. And then um, do you ever struggle of spoiling things that you've written?
0: <laughs> Only in the writing process. That's when I spoil it. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, no one's asking me anyway. Like, Hey, like. <laughs> what, happened, <laughs> no.
1: what happens in, in episode three of Tacoma FD? <laughs> I mean,
0: Season I suppose three. if I was working on Game of Thrones, that might be a problem uh, when you're in a giant hit show that everyone in the world wants to know what's happening. But most of us are working on shows that are slightly lower profile than Game of Thrones which, by the way, how often do those shows come around? Every ten years, so you know. Yeah. yeah, got it. All
1: right, Auntie Colleen Four asks, "What happens to residuals when a writer passes away? Does it go to their estate, and how long do they last if they do?"
0: Yeah, it goes to your estate. I don't know how long goes a- a- after that, but it's like it's the same thing with. The, like, some people are outraged that writers get residuals, and mm-hmm. it, but all authors do because what you're you're selling. Uh, you're selling the rights, the copyright, like the rights and your authorship claims. That's what you're selling. So a residual is not like bonus money. It's like you're literally selling the, the claims for yeah. for authorship and copyright. And this is and this is how you get your money. So it's the same thing with Michael Jackson. You know, writes thriller or whatever. His estate gets that money every time someone buys a record or plays on you know on the radio or whatever. And so it's just, it's no different. It's authorship. And so, yeah, you, when, you, when you pass, your estate gets it. Now, how for how long? I, that's a good question. Probably until it runs into public domain.
1: I was wondering if it's copyright law, which I think is currently 72 years, and that's, that changes every few years because of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse. Like, they've extended that. I think uh, it goes, what is it? So anything prior to 1920 is public domain, and that's because of Mickey Mouse. Okay. And then after that, it's, I think, 72 years after you pass away. So you have but they, keep,
0: but they keep extending it, you're saying
1: because you know Mickey Mouse is so specific to Disney, it's like, how do we make Mickey Mouse public domain, even though he should be in the public
0: domain? But does right. that apply to every? Does that apply to me, Phil? I think it applies to everybody.
1: Know. No, okay. it applies to everyone because they continue to push it out. So it's your state owns the rights X number of years after you die, and, right. and it's you own that copyright. And they can license that to whoever they want. And I think it's every version of the work. So let's say that. You know, Michael, I think you own the copyright for every episode you write or every feature you write, even if it gets sold or produced. That's a writer's guilt. Then you own the right to the actual production of that script, wow. not necessarily the authorship of the, the product, right? So you could in, put out a, an anthology of all of your scripts in, a, in paperback and sell those. But then you could do a different version of that printed with excerpts and footnotes and then also put it leather bound and that would be a different work and the copyright would then start from on that differently
0: oh i see okay yeah
1: so it's like a whole thing
0: yeah so there, yeah so there's there's you right there's a there's a long answer so yeah it goes goes to the estate all right yeah.
1: all right cool uh johnny week asks how many specs and or pilots do you suggest we have written before we look for work how long do you suggest we spend on each script before moving on to the next one
0: well I don't know about you' I don't know about that but the first part is like if you want to get a if you're looking for work on a broad family guy type cartoon, you want to have a sample that's broad and, and cartoony if you're looking for work on a grounded show that's kind of more real like Barry uh, which we can get actually it gets a little broad at times but it's, it's definitely more grounded than like family guy um then you need a sample for that so you need as as many samples as tones of shows that you were trying to get. If you want to get a drama, an hour long drama, you want to have a sample for that. If you want to get a, you know, a, you know, a sample of succession, something in that tone is one thing, something on the tone of uh, the great, which is definitely more light, you know, then you need something for that. So you need as many samples as you as shows that you want to apply to, mm-hmm. right? And so how do you, uh, well, the second part was how long does it, do I spend yeah. on it? How long should you spend on each one of those? Until it's good, dude. Because it's, you know, I don't know how it depends on your, it depends on you. That's a good, it's a you question, you know, yeah. it's gotta be good as long as it takes.
1: I had a call I had a quick zoom call. I mean, it wasn't that quick, but it was with a, actually someone who listened to the podcast and they reached out to me and they handled it professionally. And they were just like, Hey man, I think we have a lot in common. Our careers have been very similar in Hollywood. Love to just chat real fast with you and just, you know, meet up. and so we hopped on the zoom and we ended up talking like way longer than I'd planned. Mm-hmm. And he had a very unique perspective. name's Kevin. Um, he had a really unique perspective on this. He said, because I brought that up and he's like, yeah, I'm to the point now where I write a draft and I hand it out and people give me notes. I rewrite it and I hand it back. And if they get it and they think it's good, you know, that's good enough for me. Like if, if, if it's done and to the point mm. where people are happy with it, I just move on. Cause there's no more, there's no more benefit in just beating that.
0: Yeah. Anymore. That's another good point. Like, you, the way you improve is not necessarily by keep on polishing the same thing that you've been working on. You'll improve by putting it aside and picking up another p- project and starting the next project, that process. And then, and then after you do like six scripts, you'll go back and you look at that first one, you go, Oh my God, look how much I've improved. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Uh, Jocelyn RTM. Do you have any tips or helpful advice for an aspiring television, television writer preparing to move to LA or during their first years in LA.
0: Yeah, well, um, it's good that you're doing that. So because you're now, so many people want to break into the business, but they're not willing to move to LA, and you are. So you are already going to have a leg up. I would recommend trying to get work on as either production assistant, you know, or a runner on either a TV show. Do send out resumes. Uh, call you know, call look up in the trades to find you know in, in Deadline Hollywood or Deadline or Hollywood Reporter or whatever production companies and just send out contact people as many people you can saying hey I'm a, I, I want to work as a PA I want to do whatever it takes to be a PA on your show and now you get your foot on your door and that already you're well on your way if you can get that you're well on your way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. but you she's asking what I could do now before she moves. Is that what she's saying? No,
1: no, she's saying, yeah, to prepare and what to mm-hmm. do during the first few years. What I was going to say briefly on that note, I, I had an experience this last season of Tacoma FD where I was an office PA and I got a phone call and a very bubbly, various person gets on the phone and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, do you have any openings to staff? And I was like, oh, how'd you even get our phone number? And she'd done her sleuthing and figured it out. And I was like, yeah. And so I gave her some tips and I talked to her, like, you know, we're here, but she's like, I'm just trying to get that job in the office. And I was like, well, here's what I would recommend you do. And I gave her a bunch of notes. Well, then the next day, um, the production office coordinator asked me like, Hey, we talked to some girl who says that you had recommended her for a job. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's definitely not what happened, but she right. was throwing my name around. So look, like, just don't, don't be, don't be yeah. crappy.
0: Yeah. Don't, right like yeah that's shady that is that, shady you you did her a solid and she re- thanked you by lying correct and right
1: he called multiple times by the way like multiple yeah. times over the season it's just it's not the way to do it like i already got your resume and i handed your resume in right? right that's what i did yeah you already got the as good of an in as i can get you now you're gonna use me as a pa to get in no it doesn't yeah. work that way yeah so <laughs> look just don't be crappy. I think that's the answer. Yeah. And the second part of the question was like, how do I prepare? And I will say we've talked a little bit about this, I think episode 1. Um we talked about like why you need to move to LA and something you can do. Definitely like Writers Guild Foundation, you can now do a lot of the Writers Guild Foundation events online. They're all over Zoom because of the COVID pandemic. So, you can be participating in those as if, you know, you walked into the Writers Guild Foundation Writers Guild building took the elevator up to the second or third floor and then sat in a room with a professional writer and got interviewed. You can do that. It'll resume from South Dakota right now. Yeah. So do that. And I think that'll help you not only when you're here, but do it there as well.
0: You're already well on your way. The fact that you're listening to this and and, and have an open mind, you're already well on your way. You're going to be fine.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, again, write a good episode, write, write a great yeah. script. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, Rob's World 707. Is there any rationale? And, and I think we talked about this on our last and a little bit. So I mean it's interesting. It's, you know, we're talking about it again. Is there any rationale for fleshing out the first few scenes of an episodic pilot enough to get a positive or negative response without giving it all up with no proprietary protection? This is a way of representing multiple ideas and inspiring some back and forth with prospective partners.
0: Yeah. Uh, doesn't sound like a bad idea. You know, yeah. try. Throw something on paper see if anybody likes it. Sure,
1: but I think the note here, right, is interesting. Like, is this is a way of me doing it without giving it all up and and without proprietary protection? So again, it's another case where someone's concerned. Someone's going to steal my idea.
0: Someone's oh, gonna steal is, that, my idea. I, is that what you get from it? I'm not sure it, if I get there. Them, are, but, there
1: are a couple of things here. The first one is like, yeah, is there any way? To, is there any rationale to doing this without giving it all up and no proprietary protection?
0: Oh, oh, so they're worried about getting just stealing their idea. You All know, right. it depends it was- who you're showing it to. You know, if you're showing it to the producer who claims he's a producer and he's got a debt. You know, his office is in Starbucks and he's very shady about what he makes, or it's just some porn, or it's just you know, I got this go. Oh, I got this going. I got this going, but he's never actually done anything. Maybe you don't want to show it to that guy, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you you could tell if if the red flags are going off. If this guy's if this guy's blowing a lot of smoke and patting himself on the back, maybe that's not the guy you want to show it to if he's selling himself too hard. Yeah. You know? But
1: on that exact note, I just had this um just had this experience in my my digital agency where this guy knows one of our clients and the clients asked him to hop on the phone and he's created just a horrible mess for us with this client. We're probably gonna lose the client. And he would complain about what everyone else was doing and over and over again. And finally, it got escalated to me and I had to get on the phone and I get on it. And the first thing he does is he says, look, I've been doing this a long time. I've had X, I've had Y, I've had Z. And immediately my eyes rolled over because I've been in business and sales long enough to know this guy does nothing. He's a shyster Mm -hmm. and he has to prove, he's trying to establish himself right away. Real people with authority and power are talking less. They're saying little and they're letting you do the talking.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. So
1: there's, there's a, that, that gold nugget right there will save you a lot of pain. If that person's
0: selling himself to you too much, that's a red flag.
1: Yeah. Walk away. Right. Okay. um, How is writing affected by the actors playing the role? This is by Alan Mark. Mm Mm-hmm how is writing affected by the actors playing that role?
0: Okay. So I, I learned this role early on on Just Shoot Me, that was just my first staff writing job. Um, I learned that you write to the actor's strengths and, and you write away from their weaknesses and that you don't learn that until you start working with the actors, of course. And so, yeah, I, I just remember like on Just Shoot Me, you know, Steve Levitan saying, yeah, this actor doesn't play that color that that, that well, or this actor plays this note better. So let's, figure out how to do that. And so, yeah, that definitely informs uh, and also the character dynam- dynamics. And just shoot me, every time David Spade was on the scene uh, on, the, on the screen with George Segal, it was gold. And that was never, the show was never intended to focus on that dynamic, but because they work so well together, it was always funny. We always wrote towards that. Mm. So yeah. this is a, you know, a discovery. Hi guys, Michael Jamman here. I wanted to take a break from talking and talk just a little bit more. I think a lot of you guys are getting bad advice on the internet. I know this because I'm getting tagged. One guy tagged me with this. He said, I heard from a script reader in the industry. And I was like, wait, what, hold on, stop. My head blew up. I blacked out. And when I finally came to, I was like, listen, dude, there are no script readers in the industry by definition. These are people on the outside of the industry. They work part time. They give their right arm to be in the industry. And instead they're giving you advice on what to do and you're paying for this. I mean, that just made me nuts, man. These people are unqualified to give my dog advice. And by the way, her script is is coming along quite nicely. And oh, and I'm not done. Another thing, when I work with TV writers who are new on on writing staffs, a lot of these guys flame out after 13 episodes. So they get this big break. They finally get in and then they flame out because they don't know what is expected of them on the job. And that's sad because, you know, it's not going to happen again. So to fight all this, to flush all this bad stuff out of your head, I post daily tips on social media. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook at Michael Jammin Writer. If you don't have time, two minutes a day to devote towards improving your craft, guys, it's not gonna happen. Let's just be honest. So go find me, make it happen. All right, now back to my previous rant.
1: Cool, all right, Whittington Art. Two questions you told me to ask you, so I'm assuming there's someone who reached out on TikTok. Yeah. Um, what's the longest number of hours you've worked in a week as a writer?
0: Oofah. You know, if a show blows up, if a script blows up at the table, a table read on Monday and Monday. Blows up table in it
1: blows up in not a good way, but not like, a good it's way. A problem. Like,
0: like you listen to this, like, oh, and it's a disaster, and the network has a ton of notes and it just doesn't it doesn't play well. You know it's gonna be a long week. And so I am just shooting. me, we didn't have too many of those, but I remember one time working till four in the morning. So we started 10, worked till four in the morning. And that whole week was hard because the script didn't wasn't working. I guess, um, so that that's a long day. That's a long week. But you know, on a on a multi camera sitcom, you can easily work till mid from ten a.m. to midnight every night. Sometimes you work till two in the morning or one in the morning. That's not uncommon. So I don't know in terms of like what the week was, but I could tell you there were some hellish days in that week. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. And then uh, lastly, why did you join TikTok with a the Italian hand emoji? Yeah.
0: I'll tell you why um well why i'm i'm building up my uh i need to for a project i'm working on i need to i need to build up my social media presence so i need to build up an audience so what's the best way to build up my audience well just give away everything i know just tell you what i know and all you got to do i expect nothing in return you all you gotta do is follow that's it it's all free you know Mm -hmm. and if you don't like it you unfollow Mm -hmm. free
1: valuable content
0: that's how you grow your audience you just put that out there provide
1: value. And and this goes back to something we talked about really early on, right? The way you progress in anything, is just provide more value than you get. Yeah. If, if I can over-serve you,
0: I will stick around. That is how you get longevity in anything. And that, yes. And that's another thing to talk about. It's like, people always want like, um, like how do I get this? How do I get, well, the answer to get anything you want in life is to give first. If you give, you will get in return. I know that sounds biblical, but it's not. It's it is true. Like you give first, and then people feel compelled to give back. Mm -hmm. Yep. But if you ask,
1: hey, gimme, 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 forget it. But keep in mind, (coughs) not disingenuously. Like you have to give without any expectation. You're getting. Right. Right. right? That's right. It's not because the other way it's manipulative, and manipulation is seen. It's the reeks of desperation. There are a lot of things that come out of that. So it has to be 100% pure. I want to serve because it's fulfilling. And anyone who's served, it makes you just feel good. The world needs more of that.
0: That's right. That's right. There's your still rant. Even like, you know, we talk about, because I get a screenwriting course. It's like, and I say, it's an offering. If you want it, go get it. If not, continue following me here. That's okay. Just follow, just whatever. I have a lot of free stuff I give away. You can welcome as much of it as you want, you know? Yeah,
1: it's a choice. Everything you're doing right now in in your career, wherever you are, South Dakota, Utah, Nevada, whatever, every decision you're making every day is pushing you towards what you want or away from what you want. There's no static. So every time you hop on TikTok and you see Michael pop up and you listen to that TikTok, you have made a vote. You have taken an action towards being the identity of I am a writer. Every time that you... um, Scroll past that video because you're bored and you want to do something else. You're making a vote in your identity against that. So you have to decide what you want to do. And I think that's what's beautiful about what you do. Because I mean, there's a lot of I know there's a lot of people who look there's shysters out there who are just ripping people off all the time. Yeah. Buy my screenwriting course. Buy this. Buy that. And that's something I really appreciate. You didn't want to do this.
0: No. I made
1: you do this. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: because I needed
1: it. And you know, I'm so glad you did. And you you literally tell people like, look, hey don't buy it. Please don't buy it. Like don't buy it unless you're serious, Right. because you shouldn't be wasting money on this if you're not going to be serious. But if you right. want to be a writer, invest in yourself. And right. why buy from some guy who's read three books when you can literally just learn everything I've learned. And it's, and it's a, it's a reasonable price. It's, it's great.
0: Yeah. I was going to say something to that now. I can't remember, but, um, but yeah, but thank you. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Great. Okay, uh, T. Davis Rad. Oh, oh, I never. Sorry. Yeah, now, now I was going to say it's funny because on the TikTok algorithm is very finicky, and so which is why I always tell people to follow me on Instagram because you'll see a lot more of my content. But on TikTok, especially, I find that the 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 videos that I make that are that are the most helpful, that have the real gold in it, are the ones that have the least views.
1: Ooh. So what what I'm and this is something I just like. If I could hammer this home, so let me. If mm-hmm. you go to Michael's TikTok or his Instagram and you see videos that have lower views, watch those videos, <laughs> watch, those, watch, watch those. Cause those are the ones where you're going to pick something up. No one else has.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's strange. I don't know. I don't, you know, but you know, whatever, whatever yeah. it's all there. Take it, go get it. That's awesome.
1: Uh, T. Davis Radlab says interactive content seems to be the way of the future. In Hmm. in the past, some interactive content hasn't worked out. What interactivity do you see being added to the media?
0: I hope, honestly, I hope none. Because I don't like any of that. I think if you're gonna write it, if you're gonna tell a story, here's the story. This is not a um, you know, it's not a choose your own adventure. I don't, you know, I, I I think if you have a story, tell a story. What is this that? is
1: called digital storytelling by Carolyn Carolyn Handler Miller. She was my professor in film school. She literally wrote the book on this, mm-hmm. and it talks about this process. Look, there's this. There's Hamlet on the Holodeck. There books have been talking about this for a long time and how things have changed, and technology is going to make things more interactive. But look, like the probably the most engaging parts of any video game you play these days are still the cutscenes, and that is just a mini movie. That's being mm-hmm. played out for you. So, right. look, it's it's going to change things, but story's still story.
0: It's you know I don't play a lot of games, so I don't really know. And I know that's what games are—they kind of you know choose your own adventure or whatever. But um, but they're not. They're not. They're uh, not.
1: They, they give I, you the illusion of that, and that's something that we right.
0: talk, she talks about
1: in this book. Is it's it's set up to make you feel like you have agency, but you're in a sandbox. Right, I, like let's, let's take the game Red Dead Redemption Two, um, mm-hmm. ridiculously amazing, like beautiful game, and it's a massive world that you can basically go in and do anything. You can rob trains, you can shoot people. There's still a story, right? There's a story. You go in, there's a cut scene. You're told what to do. You have to go do something. Sure, you can make some decisions in there. But you still got to do the next step, which is the next part of the story,
0: right? So, so it's illusion. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some, th- some things and elements may change, but you still end up somewhere. And yeah, there's different endings to things based off of decisions you made in other places. Still a story. You're still like if, watching If I'm story.
0: telling a story, though, like when I'm writing a story, I want to tell you. This is a story I want to tell you. I don't want you to, to yeah. figure out what the story... I, I have a story. I'm telling you what the story is. If you don't want to listen to my story, listen to someone else's. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. similar thing, right? In these games, it's like you think you did, but there's mm-hmm. three stories they're telling. And you just voted for the story you wanted to hear, but they still told you that version of that story they wanted to tell you.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Right. You're still getting the story. Right. Anyway, um, do you have any other thoughts on interactivity being added? Like, do you think that you see anything?
0: I hope not. It would make my head that. blow up. You know, I, I remember seeing, like, I love a uh, uh, black mirror. Love, Right. Uh, and they did that one episode, which is interactive. It, w- it was not my favorite episode by any stretch. I, w- I like much prefer the ones where it's gimmicky. Yeah, just tell me a story. I want to get sucked into your world. Don't I, don't make me in charge of your world. You're in charge of the world. Yeah.
1: All right, and uh, final question for the night yeah. here: Liquid Dragon Five Two Eight. I have a fire script for a movie, but very new to the industry. How do I get it into the right hands? Oh. Or any Or any hands for that matter.
0: Okay. Everyone thinks I got a fire script, except for me. I never thought I had a fire script. I felt I had a lot to learn. So maybe take it down a notch. <laughs> 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 maybe dial up the humble meter. But but how do I, I did a whole rant on this on Instagram. I hope you'll find it, um, at Michael Jamman Writer. The question you should not be, everyone asks, how do I get my script into the right hands? And that is the wrong question to ask. The question you should be asking asking is, how do I write a script that's so good? It doesn't matter whose hands it falls into. And I don't want to repeat myself because I did it a whole talk on Instagram. And go go podcast
1: podcast episode one.
0: Okay. Go watch that. Yeah. Listen to that as well. But uh, you you got a ways to go. We got a ways to go. You, You need to focus on you're already skipping a step. You're already saying your script is fire, and like, I, I, you know you're not the one to decide that. Let, let it, the reader decide that.
1: Right. So, and, and this isn't to beat up on you. This is you're just highlighting a, a perspective most young writers have when they're starting yeah. out. And so, in the sentence, I have a fire script for a movie. Very new to the industry.
0: Yes. So, how right. do you have? Is it that brand here, new? Right? Yes. Right. I'm an expert, but I haven't done this before. Right. Uh, which and, one is it?
1: And that's not to beat up on you, right? Yeah. I literally, when I pulled this question up, I told Michael, like someone literally asked the question and 20 episodes of this podcast plus ago, we wrote, we talked about first thing. You talked about weeks ago and because everyone's asking this thing. And to to your credit, Michael, like you're the only person that I'm hearing say it so clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, Just write the best script you can and continue to work on that. And then you will be found. It's not yeah. about... Selling it and how to how to get a showrunner attached. It's literally just write a really good episode of TV.
0: Yeah. So don't. And again, right, Phil's right. I don't want to. We don't want to beat up on you. I don't want to humiliate you, make you feel bad at yourself. But you need to take a step back and focus on your craft, and don't worry about the other stuff. That's that. All that stuff will fall into place once you learn how to write a really good script. And I know you think you have it, but I'm telling you, I read a lot of scripts from new writers, like tons of them, and. 99.9% 99.9% of them do not have the fire script that they think they have.
1: Yeah. And and then to uh, just kind of wrap that up, if I may, a, th- a common phrase that we say in the business and personal development world is luck is where opportunity meets preparation, mm-hmm. right? Can you imagine something worse than having that opportunity to give a script to someone and it's not good, right? Or hey, yeah. giving a script, having the opportunity to give a script to someone and you have nothing to hand them? Yeah, that's worse than spending time working on multiple versions of things. I'm going to say, what do you have? And saying, what are you looking for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, that's on it. That that's all the that questions we got this time. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope that was helpful. And uh, and that's it. Stay tuned for our next next Wednesday. We drop new episodes every Wednesday.
1: This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. If you're looking to support yourself, I'd encourage you to consider investing in Michael's screenwriting course at michaeljammin.com course. I've known Michael for over a decade, and in the past seven years, I've begged him to put something together. During the global COVID-19 pandemic, Michael had time, and I have to say, I wish I'd had this course 10 years ago. As someone who's personally invested in most online courses, earned a bachelor's degree and actively studied screenwriting for over a decade, this course has been more valuable to me than most of the effort i put in because it focuses on something no one else teaches, story. In his course, Michael pulls back the curtain and shows you exactly what the pros do in a writer's room and that knowledge has made all the difference for me and I know it will for you too. You can find more information at michaeljammin.com course. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamen Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.